0: The Lord... So we were earlier in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to be coming back into this passage right here. I want to point out something in, in particular here. Now, we've been talking about the sacrifice that we bring to God and how God has called us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. This is our our reasonable service. This is what is expected of us. This is, you know, a mother telling a child, you know, if you're going to live in this house, you need to keep keep your room clean. It's only reasonable, right? This is just the bare minimum. It's reasonable for God to expect us, if we have an attitude of thanks for what he did at the cross, it's reasonable for God to expect us to bring ourselves and give ourselves daily to him. Amen? It is reasonable because we've seen what the world's done. We've seen where sin's taken us and we've seen that God rescued us, that he didn't have to, but he chose to. And we reached up and we took his hand when he offered and God pulled us out of the mire clay and God set us upon that rock that is higher than ourselves. And God gave us hope of eternal life. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit and he said, hey, all that." It's only your reasonable service, your only reasonable response to give yourself to me daily. Now that's the hard and challenging part for many people because so many people are still struggling and still efforting and still uh, walking in their flesh. And if you're walking in your flesh and not in the power of the Holy Ghost, then you're only living on cotton candy high Christianity. And, you, and God never designed us to live on cotton candy high Christianity. What I mean by that is, when the message is good, I feel good. And when nobody's, you know, we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. No, man. God never designed us to live on cotton candy highs as Christians. God designed us to live on the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, the power of the Holy Ghost is just as effective in the dungeon as it is in a palace. The power of the Holy Ghost is just as effective when I have nothing. I I might not even have two crackers to eat. But the power of God is just as effective when I have nothing as when I have something. It has to be. Because the power of God transcends the natural world. This is the the Spirit of God. This is what hovered over the face of the deep. When God spoke, let there be light. This is what created the light. And and, and so we see that work is supposed to be the fuel of the church, not cotton candy high. And so with that said, let's read this verse as we get into this. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. uh, uh, Let me point this out. I just have to. But he says, brethren, because this is a church issue. So you can't expect somebody that's not, that's not uh, born again. You can't expect someone who's not right with God to be doing this. They've got to be reconciled to God first. They've got to accept Christ first. They've got to be born from a, above first. They've got to be a brother. Amen? Amen. This is why God said in Second in Chronicles 7:14, "If my people who are called by my name, everybody leaves that out, my people, my name, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right? That God's looking and turn from their wicked ways to pray and seek His face. God's looking for His church, He's, took, he's looking for the brothers and the sisters Amen. Yes. to stop hoping in cotton candy highs and conferences. And to stop looking to the east and to the west and to look back to the cross. He's looking for the brothers and the sisters to humble themselves and come back to that cross and seek his face and pray and fast. And God said, if my brothers and my sisters will do that, I'll move. But he won't move until we do that. And you might say, well, I'll do that. But what if somebody else don't? You can't worry about somebody else. You you never know what will happen if you go full throttle in. You might just suck the whole room back to the cross. Everybody might just follow you. The Holy Ghost might be waiting on you to take that one step. I know, I know a guy that was in, that's in ministry because he was, he was sitting there on the pew, and he wasn't going to go forward, but his wife went forward. And when his wife went forward, he had to go. And he got saved. You never know what will happen if you'll take those, if you'll just follow the Holy Ghost. You might just have just the the wind of the Spirit carrying everybody behind you. You don't know. But God did say this if my people, if my brothers and my sisters, those that are called by the name of Jesus, if they'll turn and seek Him, come back to that cross, God will move. And you might say, oh, America's going down. God never promised to plant an American flag in heaven. He said, you could come. He never promised that you could bring the American flag. So hopefully the nation continues, but you know what? When all this is wrapped up, he's not going to ask for our American passport to get into heaven. He's going to see if there's been blood applied to the soul. So we have to understand whose team we're on. We're on Jesus' team. And he said, if my people, it doesn't matter your nationality, your race, your background, your tribe, your tongue. If my people, my brothers and sisters, come. If they seek him. Amen. Instead of hoping in the the things of God. So he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. This is a beseeching that the apostles giving to the church. So why? Why? Why is it that we try to impose the morals of the church on the world when we can't even have morals inside the church? This is what we've got. We've got to get back to this place where we understand the Lord is speaking. Amen? He's not speaking subjectively like, hey, if you want to have just an awesome time, you know, spend a little bit extra, get a little bit extra. It's not like that. It's not like that with God. He says, you are His. And and the apostles beseeching you by the authority vested in Him by God. Amen? Now, now, are there apostles today? Sure, people that start churches, you look at them in an apostolic way. But there was only a few that were hand-selected by Jesus. Paul being the last. Now watch this. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I don't have the... I, I, I'm not waiting on someone else to do something for me in order for me to give God what he deserves. It, it, I, can't, I can't hinge my Christianity on why somebody didn't give me what I needed. I, I, I can't. That's not acceptable. What is acceptable is me giving all in a holy manner to Him. You, you can't say, well, well, nobody ever did this and nobody ever did that. And if somebody would have, you know, helped me do this, then I might have been able to do that. But you know what? We've got the Word of God. You've got the Spirit of God. You, you know, God charged Sodom and, 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 and they didn't even have a Bible. Sodom was destroyed for disregarding God's word. They didn't even have a Bible. We have the word of God. So he said that you're called to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And and we dealt with the living sacrifice earlier today. But the living sacrifice is, is supposed to be perpetual and continual. It is God's desire that you bring a continual sacrifice to him, not relying on what you did three days ago. Not relying on what you did earlier. Not relying on what you did last week. God's looking for us to bring a perpetual sacrifice to Him. It is a continual offering of ourselves. There's times that the the, the, the offering that you've brought has has decay in it. It's old. It's decrepit. Things have changed. You're in a new season. You're in a new place right now. You're, every time you wake up, you're in a new battle with the flesh. And every day that you wake up in that battle with the flesh is a day you need to come to the Lord. That you need to mindfully come to God and submit to Him and surrender to Him and say, Lord, my life is yours. I am giving myself to you. Here I am. Have all of me. And he he said, This is your reasonable service. This is, in in other words, this is just like a kid cleaning his room. This is, you're gonna live in this house, that's what's expected of you. It's just reasonable. It's not God asking you to go, you know, um, asking like a five year old kid to go weed eat the grass. It's not something that is unreasonable. This is something that is reasonable. In how? Why is it reasonable? Why is it reasonable when you see what he did for you? That was what the whole thing about the sacrifice was built on. It's all built on the fact that God gave Himself for you on the cross. It's all built on the fact that He didn't have to, but He chose to. We we love Him because He first loved us. How did He love us? He gave Himself for us. And so it's reasonable if I see that. Now, if I don't see that, it's not reasonable. If I don't understand the gospel, it's not reasonable. I heard one minister say this. I think he's right. He said, he said the America is not gospel-hardened. He said, America is gospel-ignorant. We're ignorant of the gospel. We, 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 we've heard conferences, and we've bought all the tickets, and we line up with everybody else, but we're ignorant of the actual gospel. I saw one study. They said, uh, Answers in Genesis took a survey. Listen to this. of of millennials, that's 20 to 30s, in the church, in the church, 70% of them said, all you have to do to go to heaven is be a good person. 70% of them said, if you live live a good life, at the end of it, you'll get to go to heaven. 70% of churchgoers. Uh, So I put before you, we're gospel ignorant. Nobody in their right mind that thinks if you just live a good life that you'll go to heaven can understand that verse. It's only reasonable when you see what God did for you that, you. that you and I, our sin separated us. And that chasm was so wide that we couldn't cross it. But if you've ever seen those memes, it's like God just laid that cross across that chasm. And he invites you to come across. And he invites you through the, through the suffering of God in the flesh. That he chose to do it. He didn't have to, but he chose to. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despised the shame, but he endured the cross. For what? For the joy set before him. What joy is there in having people pull your beard out, crucify you, bleed to death, suffocate, crown of thorns, mock, ridicule, humiliated? What joy did the Lord of glory have in being humiliated on that cross? What joy? You. You. He was purchasing you. He was making the payment for you. There was a payment that your sin demanded and you couldn't pay that debt and it gave him joy to pay that debt for the joy set before him, he endured that cross paying the price to redeem you. You see, as we look upon those with, with gospel eyes, and we see what the reality of the cross, now you begin to understand. You know what? It is my reasonable service. You gave everything for me. I will give everything for you. You, you, you came and you let everything go so that you could rescue me. I will let everything go so that I can serve you. It's reasonable. It's reasonable when you understand how short, how short you were from getting to God. Now, this is the part I want to get into, though. He says in verse, that's just a warm-up right there, right? It's just a warm-up. This is the part I want, to, I want to get to right here. It says in verse number two, and be not conformed, right? And be not conformed to this world. This is the world that defied God. This is the world that rejected Jesus. This is the world that said, Give us Barabbas! Crucify Jesus! This is that world. This is that world that, 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 that has, from the time of Adam and Eve's sin, has lived in rebellion towards Jesus. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, part I want to get into, just a second, he says that... You're not supposed to be conformed, which is the cookie cutter. That is compressing you into the image that the world has for you. And anytime you see, you know, uh, young people, you always see them kind of, you know, one, one person wears this kind of this, and then they start wearing this kind of this. And one person starts talking like this, and they start talking like this. What is that? That's a cookie cutter. It's just smooshing thing down. It's, it is the world conforming them to what it wants them to be instead of them getting into the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to keep them transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is, and that's young people. What about old people? Right? How is it that we conform? Well, you know, there's different ways that we conform to the world, but the reality is without the, the transforming um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will never be what God's called us to be. We have to have that. You cannot cannot walk in the newness of life without God changing your mind over and over and over daily. Reminding you that He bought you. Reminding you that you belong to Him. Reminding you that you can't walk without Him holding your hand. Reminding you of His tender love and mercy for you. That He's patient and He's long-suffering. That He's kind. And, And reminding you of those gospel facts these things just wash that mind. As you live in this world, the filth of the world's bound to get in. You have to keep that wall up, keep that shield of faith up, and then allow the Holy Spirit to renew that mind. Amen. So you don't believe the lies of the devil. Now, this is important because there's, there's a this last part of this verse I want to get into. He says. Why? Why should you not be conformed and why should you be transformed? It is important. It is important. And you can tell whenever somebody's being conformed to the world, they just begin to talk like everybody, act like everybody, live like everybody. Amen. But you know, you, and, and, and the world has its standards and God has His. The world has its standards and God has His. The world's standards are pretty low. Let's be honest. World standards are pretty low. You get tired of stuff, you just destroy it. It's just done. world has low standards. God has high standards. Amen. Amen. Now, you, you, you are not going to bend God's standards down to an acceptable level to where you can be an intermedi- intermediator between the world and heaven. You, you, you're not going to bend God's standard down. What you're going to do is make your own. God's standard's up here, and it don't change. His his standards are unchanging because he's unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. We love to shout that. We love to sing that. But when it comes to God's holy standards, we back off that. But God never changes. God, you know, he never changes. He intended marriage to be between a man and a woman. He's never going to back off that. He said it's wrong to murder. He's never going to back off that. You know, there's things that there's principles that God's laid out that His standards are high. He's not going to back off, And, and, and we can we can if and and candy nut it all we want, but the reality is that God's standard won't won't move. You want to put yours in, that's yours, and so the 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 conforming to the world is just falling down to their standards, being transformed. By the renewing of your mind is whenever God begins to take you to that other place where you begin to walk as you're supposed to walk. Amen? And live how you're supposed to live. God said that He's holy, be ye holy. And look at this. But why is that? And it says that you may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The word prove here means to show. It means to, that, that other people would be able to see, that you can prove it. That means, uh, in, in other words, like D.O. Moody said, he said that, you know, um, he said 99 people aren't going to read the Bible, but they are going to read you. Most people, even in a church, don't even read the Bible through the week. A lot of people don't read the Word of God. And, and so you can't expect the world to read the Word of God. But he said, but they will read you. You name the name of God, once they know that you go to church, once they know that God's done something for you, once they hear a little bit of your testimony, they, they hear just a little bit, they're going to be reading you They're going to be reading you. And so the word of God says here, as as you are not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, you begin to prove. That means you're showing. How many of you know uh, little kids? I remember we used to do that all the time. Prove it. Prove it. I can beat you running. Prove it. Right? You would have to show them. You would have to demonstrate for them that you could do what you said. And when the Bible says here that you're approving that acceptable and perfect will of God, what you're doing is you are demonstrating for a world that won't come to church, that won't read the Bible, that won't fast, that won't seek God's face, that won't turn and repent. What you're doing is you're showing the world who God is. You're showing the world His holiness. You're showing the world His goodness. You're showing the world His patience and His mercy. As the fruit of the Spirit begins to flow through you, it is touching other people's lives. And they, are, they may not pick up a, a, a Bible in, in, in book form, but they'll read it in living form. As Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, you are a living epistle. Not written in the tables of stone, right? You you are a living epistle written by the hand of God. God took you out of the clay and He changed your life. He put you on solid ground and He breathed the Holy Ghost upon you. He gave you the power to live a holy life in an unholy world. And now he says, now prove it to the world. Show the world. Walk in that newness of life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the power of God come upon you daily. There's nothing stopping us from seeking God daily. There's nothing stopping us from going and tearing before God and being endued with a fresh anointing from God before we go about our day. Nothing stops us from doing these things. And he said, do that and prove just like a, a, a little, think about two seven-year-old boys, right? I'm faster than you. Prove it. Okay. That's what, that's what we do. And that's what God's calling you to do. He's, he's calling on you to prove what is good, the, what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, the word perfect here is important to understand something. The word perfect here, it, it, it doesn't mean narcissistic perfect. It doesn't mean narcissism. It means complete. It means that you've you've come to that place God wants you to be. Now that's big. That's big. Now you may not be all that God wants you to be tomorrow, but you can be all God wants you to be today. And that's what's important: allowing God to perfect you daily, allowing God to bring you to the place that you need to be today. Not holding anything back from Him, coming with a heart of full surrender. A heart of full willingness to go wherever he leads. A, a, a heart to, to go where God says go, to stop when God says stop. It's like whenever God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He had the, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. Well, God's looking for us to do the same thing, that, that he's our God. Amen? So, proving uh, what is the good and in, and. In, 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 an acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I want to look at. How do you prove? How do you demonstrate what is perfect? God's not looking for you to, 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 to be narcissistic, like I said. Let me show you something over in Galatians chapter 3. Paul taught over here. It's just a couple of pages over. If you'll travel with me over to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Now, Paul here is is dealing with some Judaizers. Y'all know what Judaizers are? Right? The Judaizers try to get the church to come back under the Old Testament. The Old Old Testament. We are in the New Testament. Jesus said this cup represents the blood, right, of the New Testament. The Testament in the Bible is uh, just like a will that goes into effect when the testator dies. And when Christ gave his life on Calvary, he brought in that new covenant. That's why the, 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 the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. That's why there's no more Levitical priests. That's why God established a new, a, a, a new covenant. And, and, and yet, they, they lived in a time where there's this transition. But there's an interesting aspect of this I want to I touch on. In in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, I want you to look at something here. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And now there is some bewitching going on, and the, the, the bewitching is 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 a, a, a practice that was ungodly, that was you know worthy of, of, of death. But the bewitching there is just trickery, it's beguiling, it is um, that's what witchcraft is, by the way. It's just it's just manipulation in, in an ungodly way. And these people were manipulating the children of God. And how were they manipulating the children of God? They were they were they were telling them that Jesus was not enough. They were telling them, look, it's cool that you believe on Jesus, but you need to go back under the law so you can be right with God. But what makes you right with God is what Jesus did on the cross. He's my righteousness. He fulfills the name of God, Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord is my righteousness. It is not about what I bring to the equation. It's what he did at Calvary. He's my righteousness. I don't have any outside of Him, but I've got to get in Him to receive that. Are you with me? I can't stand on my own. He's my righteousness. Now, a lot of people, you can look at it and be like, yeah, He's my righteousness. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, He is your righteousness, but you better run to that strong tower. You better run and find yourself at His feet. You better run and, and submit and surrender to Him because He is your righteousness. You can't can't still be you. You've got to be crucified unto Him. Now watch this. He says in verse 2, This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How did you receive the Holy Ghost? Did, did, Did you stand on your head for the Holy Ghost? Did you tithe for the Holy Ghost? What did you do for the Holy Ghost? He said it was by faith. By faith is what he's implying. And and, and so, look, and he's saying that's how you started. And and anybody that's read the book of Acts can see that because all they did was they obeyed Jesus. They believed what Jesus said. He said, tarry in Jerusalem till you're in due with power. They tarried. Nobody went and cut their grass that week. Nobody went and, and tended their garden. Everybody went up in that upper room and they, and they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. I don't think they were playing Monopoly. I don't think they were playing video games. I don't think they were talking about the weather. I think they were waiting. I think they were anticipating. And then the, that mighty wind blew and the Holy Ghost fell. And they knew, and if you read the book of Acts, which they they could have heard the stories, they could have read the original manuscripts, right? They, but but if you'll see the story, that, that the, the church did not receive the Holy Ghost through works, but it was the hearing of faith, and they believed. And everybody through the book of Acts received the Holy Ghost the same way. Paul said you received the, the, the Holy Ghost since you believed. He didn't know anything about it, so Paul told them. They heard it, they received the Holy Ghost, and began speaking in tongues. Right there. Peter, same way when he was preaching at Cornelius' house. Watch this. Paul's, Paul's setting this up for a purpose, and, and that, that purpose is what we're talking about specifically. He said, This only what I learned of you received you the Spirit uh, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Listen to this. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, this is what I want you to see. God calls us to prove His perfect will. God calls us to live a holy life, not conform to this world, giving ourselves as a, as, a, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to our Jehovah. And that's reasonable. And, and that proves God's perfect will. But we don't perfect it by the works of the law. It's by the Spirit that these things are done. It is not about our effort. It's about our surrender. It's not about how fast we go or how hard we hit. It's about how much we go down on our knees and seek God's face. It is by the Spirit that this thing is done. God will compel you by the Spirit to do one thing this day and another thing that day. God, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when He said, He says, just like the wind. You don't know where He's coming from, where He's going. You just know when He's there. And when somebody's led by the Spirit of God, you don't have to dictate where they eat at McDonald's or whether they eat at Burger King. It is not about those types of things, but it is about surrendering and submitting your life to the influence and the hand of God and being obedient to Him. It is not by the works of the flesh, but by the Spirit, listen, that we perfect this thing that we can walk in where God wants us to walk, that we can prove that will of God that he's talking about. It's so important to see this. It is not about the works of the law. It is not about what we bring to the table. It's about how we surrender ourselves to God by the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do what is necessary in our lives. You know, there's times that, that, that the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know, that you need to go and, 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 and make this relationship right. Maybe you slam the door on somebody. Before you go down and pray and you do your time of studying or reading or whatever, the Holy Ghost will just bring some conviction and say, Hey, you know what? If you're going to grow, and we're not talking about narcissistic perfection, right? We're talking about God bringing you to that place of completion, that place of maturity. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. Just hang with me. But as as you come to that place of maturity and the place that God has for you to be, you don't achieve that by the works of the law, but just by being obedient to the Spirit of God. It is about you following the Lord and saying yes when the Holy Spirit leads. Not being, you know, like Zacharias, right? And So he has to mute you. But it is about being obedient to the Lord just like Mary did. Be it unto me as you say, Lord. You want me to go over there? Okay, Lord. You, you, you want me to do this? Okay, Lord, be it unto me as, as, as you wish. And, and that, that following the Lord by the Spirit, you'll begin to prove. You'll begin to prove that perfect will of God. People will begin to see that, that maturity, that aspect of the Holy Spirit upon your life where there's nothing lacking. You might say, well, how can I get to that place? By God's grace. It's not you. It's not your fuel. It's not your effort. It's the Holy Ghost. It's about you living full surrender. Again, it's about you being a living sacrifice. God's called us to that place where we are living sacrifices, right? Now, let me show you just one one more place, if you will. Uh, Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is for for the... the part right here that I want to get to, Ephesians 5, chapter four verse 11, is where we see this, this thing about the fivefold ministry. And sometimes people say, you know, um, you know, the gifts of the ministry are for this and the gifts of the ministry are for that." But really and truly, the gifts of the ministry, the fivefold ministry are for the perfecting of the church. It, it, it is about getting the church to the place that God wants the church to be. We started this off in Romans 12, and I kind of harped on that issue for a minute, because God said, in, in, in G, um, through Paul, he said, I beseech you, brethren, right, by the mercies of God. He was, he was charging the church to come up to this standard. Amen? It's not the world's standard to get to. It's the church's standard to get to so that the world can see the will of God proved. Amen. So, this is the job of the fivefold ministry. This is what the Lord gives us the fivefold ministry for. This is, here we see, he said in, in verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we'll stop right there just a second, but just to show you the reason that God gave us apostles, the reason that God gave us the, the, the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors, and the reason he gave us these is to mature the church, to strengthen the church, That we, it says, to perfect the saints for what? So that we can get our picture on the wall? Why does God want you to grow so that the pastor gets a notch on his belt? Why does God want you to mature? Why? For the work of the ministry. Look at that, for the work of the ministry. See, God calls us all to put our hands on the plow. You may not be an evangelist in in a third world country, but you can be an evangelist in your home. You can be an evangelist to your neighbor or a co-worker. You can be an evangelist to one of your family members. You can tell the world of what God's done for you. Evangelism is just simply telling somebody what Jesus did for you. You don't have to memorize that. Oh, let me see. Hang on, church gave me this card. I need to read this. Well, step number one, step number two, step number three. Now, you want to be an evangelist, just tell somebody what Jesus did for you. That's what God's looking for. And and, and as the fivefold ministry unfolds and we begin to grow, it's for the perfecting of the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? All these, all these statements beget other questions. What is the work of the ministry? Souls. Souls. So I want you to see that there's, a, there's this golden chain through this system. God has a reason. God's not, God is not calling you to be a, a, a living sacrifice just so he can say, yeah, look at that one. God's called you to be a living sacrifice unto him. So that he can continue to perfect you, so that the world can see the effect of the Holy Ghost in your life, so that you can be an effective witness on the on the uh, evangelism field, so that God can use you to bring other people into the kingdom of God. It is not about you just spinning like a top and everybody saying, "Woo, look at that one spin!" But it is about you look being influenced by the Spirit of God Amen. and proving who God is, proving the will of God to the world, a world that that doesn't know God. Look, again, I'll just share this with you. Answers in Genesis, which is a healthy ministry, they have a survey, millennials, which is 20 to 30, 70% of these church-going millennials, and they classified it as regularly going to church. They regularly go to church, 20 20 to 30 years old. 70% of them said it wasn't about Jesus, about getting to heaven. It was just about being good, a good person. A good person. Now, where does that leave the gospel? That tells us that, that, that they're not hearing the gospel, they're not receiving the gospel, and they're not seeing a demonstration of the gospel. I love I love what Leonard Ravenhill said on this aspect. I haven't given you a quote of Leonard Ravenhill in a while, but he said the world's not waiting for a new a new presentation. not waiting for a new oration. You're not waiting for somebody to stand up and give a book report. He said the world's not waiting for a new presentation. The world's looking for a demonstration. You, you, you want to see God begin to move? Demonstrate for the world who Jesus is for you. Demonstrate for the world what he's done for you. Like we say, you, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. But he's holding my hand, and so I'm going to walk. I'm going to go where He leads. I'm going to say what He says, and I'm going to do what He tells me to do. I can't walk without Him holding my hand, but hallelujah, He's holding that hand, and He's leading me through. Amen. He's taken me from one place to another. He's leading me through the seasons of life. He's faithful to the end. He never fails. He never leaves me. He always is there with me. He never forsakes me, but He abides within and God's called us to that place where, where, where people can see, where people can see that, prove, prove to them. Show them who God is and what he's done. And that's, the, that's what ministry is about. That's what the church exists for, is to get us into that place where we are walking that walk and showing that light to the world, showing that light to the world. And I'm going to stop right there. i got more I want to get into, but I just feel the Lord. I want to stop right there. It it is incumbent upon us to know and understand this reality. It's this reality. It is not by might. It's not by strength. But he said, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. That, that, that scripture, there was, they, were, they were rebuilding the temple and, and, and they were having a hard time and they, were, they weren't for sure if it was going to happen or not. And God said, it's going to happen. But it's not going to be because you try hard enough or because you're strong enough. It's going to be done because I did it. Because I did it. And you know, in our lives, we've got a call on our life. That God's light shine through us. There's people around us in darkness. There's people around us without hope. There's people around us that could perish and burn in hell. And it is incumbent upon us, it is incumbent upon us to allow God's light to shine through us. Let that will of God be perfected in you. Amen? And others, look, they, they may not read a Bible, they may not go to church, but they can see God's light through you. I've heard Billy Sunday, he said that, that a, a wayward child can't outrun a mama's prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, you know what, I've seen that happen. I've seen, I've seen somebody pray for their children, and they went ahead and, 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 and passed on, you know, went to heaven, and God answered that prayer after they was already gone. They just got to see it from a, uh, what do they call that, from the sky cam. That's what they call it in, in, you know, they got to see it from heaven. How would you like that? But yet God answered the prayer. Amen? Amen? So we've got a call, a holy call in our life to show God's light. Let that light shine through us. Prove that perfect will of God. Live that life of being a, 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 a living sacrifice but it is about God taking us to that place of maturity by his spirit, so His spirit touches other folks amen it's not it's not about the go back and read Galatians one through three it's not about the flesh it's it's not about getting you to this place in the flesh it's not about well I can't do that well I know you can't neither can I it's not about that it's it's never been about that it's It's always been about bowing down that knee to God, saying, Lord, here I am. All you want me to be, I will be. I'll go where you go. I'll say what you want me to say. You want me to pray, I'll pray. You want me to preach, I'll preach. You want me to call somebody and encourage them, I'll call and encourage them. You just tell me what to do, Lord. It's just... That's just getting to that place that God wants you to be. It, 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 it is not what the devil tries to make it out to be. See, the devil was in in, in, in that church in Galatia, and and he was making them think it. Was, oh no, you gotta abstain from pork. You gotta you know can't have polyester and cotton in the same coat. You know, he was all about that. But the Lord had to bring Paul in there and just kind of settle that issue. He said, no, it's by the Spirit. You're saved by the Spirit. And you want to get where God wants you to get by the Spirit. The same way you got the Spirit, same way you stay right with the Spirit. That place of humility and surrender. And if you'll get to that place of humility and surrender, I believe God will meet you tonight. And I believe not only tonight, but tomorrow and however, till the Lord tarries, till he comes. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for the work of the Spirit in our life. Lord, we thank